Hello and welcome. We are the Ladies of Strange. I'm Ashley. I'm Tiffany. And I'm Rebecca. Thank you for joining us each week as we discuss the history, mystery, and theory of all things questionable, odd, and eerie. Hi, ladies. Hi. How goes it? It goes. Hopefully everyone is still out there after that wonderful lesson Rebecca brought us last week. Love y'all. I (laughs) thoroughly enjoyed that. I think that was one of my favorite episodes so far. Oh, that makes me happy. Yeah, it had nothing to do with I you. I thought just Ashley was going to throw me out of the house. Fair. There's still a chance. That's fair. I really enjoyed it. I felt like you were channeling a Hufflepuff and having a good <laughs> old time. Only for a moment. Only Rebecca for a moment. was a Hufflepuff. Rebecca forgot the laws of physics and just went with it. Yeah. yeah. It happens to and the then best to us. Remember the favorite Jonas Brothers. Poor sweet Kevin. <laughs> Kelvin Jonas. <laughs> Good old Kelvin Jonas. The Always bonus Jonas. <laughs> the bonus Jonas. He was really good at science, but not great at being a Disney star. <laughs> uh, okay, it wasn't so bad, but it still kind of irked me a little bit. But anyway, it was so great. Everybody doing good? Everybody happy? How are things? Life is good? Life is good. No complaints here. Work is work. That's good. Mm-hmm. At least it's not work. So fun fact, I told myself on Sunday, you know, maybe I drink a lot. Maybe I should cut back on the weeks. Cut back during the week. During the week. Yeah. Uh, So I'm two days in and I failed twice. Hey, baby steps. Baby steps. Yeah. At least you've thought about it. I did. Fair. My parents and brothers and grandmother and niece are moving in this week. Yay. 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 No, I'm excited about it. They, uh, my parents sold their house and they bought another house, but there's like a week of overlap where they don't have a house. So they're going to be staying with us. So it's my mom, my dad, my two brothers, my brother's daughter for part of the week and my grandmother. So six people and two dogs moving into my house. That's going to be fantastic. I can't wait to see how your cats react to the dogs. I'm more worried about my husband with that many people. He likes... He's going to hide be left alone. in the closet with double cats. <laughs> He's going to hide in the closet with the cats. Yes. So it'll be fun. But I'm really excited about having it'll them all fun. here. And you'll know he's there because he'll make that yeah, sound he every will, now and then. He will not not double cat. Yeah. Well, she'll be making it too. But like he'll be making it with her. It's fine. Yeah. Mutual. Yeah. yeah. It'll be fun. I'll have a blast. Baby girl will love it. And my wonderful husband will do it for me because. Yep. It's what you do for family. And it's not forever, and it will be great to have from here. Yes. So, I'm excited. How about you? Me? Yeah. You're here, too. You're a part of this. How was your week? Things are things. You look cute today. Oh, thanks so much. Not that you don't usually look cute. Life's you just outcome. look... Well, fine. I think beautiful. I felt like I looked like a cross between, like, a wise man and an art teacher. Okay. You're a wise art teacher. <laughs> I was about to <laughs> say, that makes you a wise art teacher. Art teacher. Whoa, man. You know what? You kind of look like a modern day uh, Professor Trelawney. <gasps> you do. I don't hate it. I just need a lot more necklaces. Yes. Lots more jewelry. I mm-hmm. like it. You could rock it. This is one of the dresses that I bought last week when that BuzzFeed article about all the dresses at Walmart got me. <laughs> I was like, yes, I will buy three of those. How many colors do you have? Yeah, I'll take all of them. <laughs> They're all different dresses, but now you know awesome. how I shop. Yeah. Like my mom find something that fits and you buy it in every color which is why i own three pairs of black booties and might buy a fourth that's Mm. fine it's fine they go with everything look you find what you like and you roll with it Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that which is why i have two cats there you go 
or the ability to learn about something else that we may or may not like. I feel like that's every week. I would like to learn something that I will enjoy, please, and thank you. You should enjoy this one. Excellent. Yes. So I she will, will, but I won't. No, you probably will too. Okay. Yay, I'm so excited. Please bring it on. <coughs> we are going to learn about Andrew Warhalla. Warhalla? Mm-hmm. Andy Warhol? that went by much quicker than it was supposed to (laughs) yeah well (laughs) wasn't sure how quickly you guys would catch on to that so yes we are going to learn the story of andy warhol see i thought it was andy warhol but i'm like nah that's too too obvious obvious. (laughs) she's going for something else nope she's not okay nope i'm excited andy warhol was born andrew warhola on August 6, 1928, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He had two older brothers, John and Paul. His dad, Andrzej Warhol, was a construction and coal mine worker. And his mom, Ulia, which Ooh. in a lot of articles they added a J and made it Julia, I guess, to like Americanize it. What's her, their nationality? They are Slovakian. Ah, I like that name. Um, so her name was Ulia, and she was an embroiderer. Ooh. Mm-hmm. They were a devout Byzantine Catholic family who regularly attended, attended mass at Pittsburgh St. John Chrysostomum Byzantine Catholic Church. Say that ten times fast. Right. Yeah. Um, and they maintained much of their Slovakian culture and heritage. As a child, Andrew was helpful, smart, and creative. And at the age of eight, he contracted Sydenham Coria, okay. also known as St. Vitus's Dance, which is I, a... Yes. Because I know what that is. <laughs> well, let me explain <laughs> what it is. Um, it's a rare and sometimes fatal disease of the nervous system that is characterized by involuntary movements, and it would leave him bedridden for several months at a time whenever he'd have flare-ups. Oh, no. This disease also caused pigment issues that caused discoloration of his skin, leading to nicknames such as Spot and Andy the Red-Nosed Warhalla. No, no. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh, no. I'm sorry for laughing, but that's really clever. Yeah. And in the 20s, too? Kids are cruel. And creative. Probably his brothers. That was me. I'm so sorry. Tiffany's mic liked it, too. <laughs> During this time, while bedridden, he would listen to the radio, read comics and Hollywood magazines, and play with paper cutouts of movie stars that he would plaster around his bed. His mother, who was a skillful artist herself, would give him his first drawing lessons. Hmm. Drawing soon became his favorite childhood pastime. He was also (laughs) an avid fan of the movies, and his mother bought him a camera at the age of nine. He took up photography, developing film, and a makeshift dark bedroom that he set up in their basement. Nice. Did I say dark bedroom? Yes, Yes, you did. did. I was about to ask. A dark bedroom? (laughs) Yes, a dark bedroom. Do you you happen to know what type of camera? That's a no. It was his exposure to... (laughs) I don't know. I'm just curious. I don't have that detail. Um, It was the exposure to current events at a young age that he later said shaped his obsession with pop culture and celebrities. He attended elementary school at the home school and took free art classes at the Carnegie Institute, now the Carnegie Museum of Art. These classes were taught by Joseph Fitzpatrick. And then he went on to attend Schnelli High School in 1942 at the age of 14. Okay. 
shortly after starting high school, his father passed away from a jaundiced liver. He left the family just enough money to be used towards the higher learning of one of the boys. Oh. Was his father an alcoholic? It didn't go into details about that, but okay. he was a coal worker in the thirties. Uh, so yeah. okay. I don't want to make assumptions, but based on history. I don't want to make assumptions, but here are my assumptions. Well, I'm just saying based on there's a difference between making assumptions and context clues. Or it could have just been a disease that he contracted. Could have been. So which of the boys went to college? <laughs> it was decided by the family, including the father, who had before he passed away, recognized the talent of Andy and said that he would benefit the most from a college education. With this information and a group decision between their mother and his two brothers, Andy went on to attend the Carnegie Institute of Technology, studying pictorial design. Oh, well, that was really nice of everybody. That sounds like fun. What's pictorial design? Design of pictorial stuff? I think it was like editorial um, are you, are you Googling it? Uh, no, I'm just <laughs> talking and telling you what pictorial design see, was. See, I'm interested because I found out way too late. I could get a minor in industrial design and that is the one thing I regret about college. It looks like it is just a type of, I don't know. It's know. a degree. Yeah, it's a degree in art. Cool. And pictorial design. So we got a degree in pictorial design. Yes. Um, he graduated from college which is with his Bachelor of Fine Arts degree in 1949 and moved to New York City to pursue a career as a commercial artist. It was at this time that he dropped the A from his last name to become Andy Warhol. He quickly landed a job with Glamour Magazine in September as a commercial illustrator and went on to become one of the most successful commercial artists of the 1950s. Ooh. Um, he continued his successful career in commercial illustration, working for several well-known magazines, such as Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, and The New Yorker. Mm. Mm -hmm. He also produced advertising and window displays for local New York retailers, including Tiffany & Co. My fave. <laughs> <laughs> I. Miller Shoes. Fleming Joffe, Bonwit Teller, and Columbia Records. However, it was his work and displays with I. Miller and Sons that gained him some local notoriety. We'll have pictures on our block. Do we get to see pictures? In a moment, I don't have them pulled up at this exact moment. I'm sorry. We'll see pictures after Rebecca researches the copyright laws behind them. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> he won frequent awards for using his whimsical style, using his own blotted line techniques and rubber stamps to create his drawings. Ooh. Uh, some of his awards were from the Art Directors Club and the American Institute of Graphic Arts. His experience and expertise in commercial art combined with his immersion in American popular culture influenced his most notable work. In 1952, he exhibited 15 drawings based on the writings of Truman Capote in his first individual show at the Hugo Gallery in New York. In the early 1950s, many of Warhol's friends and fellow artists were accepted to show at the Tanager Gallery in New York City, but the works he submitted were rejected because of their subject matter. matter. What was their subject matter? Two men embracing. Oh, well, so, so like a hug? No. Not a hug. <laughs> Got it. Warhol was an openly, which is as debated, on his openness about his sexuality, but I've read articles and seen interviews where he talked about boyfriends most of the articles I read said that he was a gay man, but he could have also been bi. I don't know, but 
From all the information I read, it referred to him as a gay man. Okay. So I almost want to say no preference, but I feel like that's not quite right. I couldn't find anything that like came from his mouth. Like I said, there were a couple interviews and articles about him talking about partners and boyfriends. But I, I, in my research for this, didn't come across anything that specifically said. But so, so questionable embrace. Got it. <laughs> yeah. um, and homosexuality was still criminalized in America in the 1950s. Are you serious? For some reason, that seems like way later. That was, st- I mean, that was segregation and. Yeah. Oh, man. And this is early 1950s. Okay. That, you know, and I think that was when changes started coming were in the 1950s. Cool. But this was early 1950s. Okay. So he filled multiple sketchbooks with drawings titled Boy Portraits, which were loving, <laughs> humorous. <Sorry. laughs> um, I, the image I got was Tiffany in middle school with like a spiral brown <laughs> notebook going, <laughs> Tiffany loves Backstreet Boys. <laughs> Tiffany and Backstreet Boy. That's not. And Tiffany and Backstreet Boy. <laughs> That's not far off, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I just appreciate that you think it was in middle school and not like yesterday. <laughs> Tiffany and Backstreet Boy. I'm going to leave it open. Or is that like, b- babe, what are you writing about? Nothing. No, not going to lie. Sometimes I still do- doodle Tiffany and Matthew sitting in a tree and like Mrs. Insert last name here. And yeah, I still do that. I'm it. Oh, we were. I was singing a song about wanting to get busy with the Backstreet Boys <laughs> tonight. Yeah. <laughs> so she was. <laughs> Um, (laughs) moving on notebook his uh sketchbook titled boy portraits were loving humorous depictions of the male form and studies of their feet torsos and genitalia cool he liked the details he's missing a few key parts I mean, well, he got the main he parts. he had a foot thing. Feet, torsos, and genitals? The genitals is what Tiffany was referring to. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tiffany. How long have we been friends? I get it. You like penises. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Even though this was a small setback for Warhol, he was exhibiting works in several venues around New York City. He most notably exhibited at the Museum of Modern Art, where he participated in his first group show in 1956. So he was like the influencer before influencers became a thing. So basically he was like, fuck you other gallery. Museum of Modern Art doesn't care who I like. Good. Good for him. Let's be real. From the Museum of Modern Art and the Tanger Gallery. I'm gonna Which go, one stuck around? Like the Tanger outlets? <laughs> yes. Sorry, they I'm became <laughs> an outlet mall <laughs> on your way to Florida. <laughs> yes. Um, in 1960, Warhol began using advertisements and comic strips in his paintings. These Yay. works were early examples of pop art. Yeah. Like the Campbell Soup and Marilyn Monroe. Uh-huh. Nice. Um, they were characterized by more expressive and painterly styles than included clearly recognizable brushstrokes and were loosely influenced by abstract expressionism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fancy art term. <laughs> I kept every time I saw anything about him doing pop art, it was referred compared to abstract expressionism. So I figured it was an important note to throw in there. See, it the is. closest thing I can think of to explain that is if you took Tiffany's feelings and transfer them to color and canvas that's what it would look like lots of neon but a a very solid clean outline around of a dick the feelings (laughs) (laughs) 
Sorry. I mean, she's not wrong. By September 1960, Warhol was able to move out of the apartment he shared with his mother to a townhouse on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, where he began his most prolific period. Late in 1961, Warhol started on his Campbell Soup Cans paintings. Woohoo! There's this, more than one of them? He's got different, similar to the Marilyn Monroe, he's got different colors and different textures, and it's all the tomatoes, the, well, the tomato soup one is the most. Because, like, the one I think of is the one where it's, like, a quadrant of four, and they're all different colors. Yeah, the tomato soup can. Yeah. Yeah. But this is where he started that project of painting the Campbell soup cans. Gotcha. Um, this series employed many different techniques, but most were created by projecting a source image onto a canvas, tracing them with a pencil, and then applying the paints. In this way, Warhol removed most signs of the artist's hand. So he was going for that like commercial mass-produced look, but in a painting. Oh, that's cool. Hmm. In 1962, he exhibited the now iconic paintings of the Campbell soup cans. These small canvas works of everyday consumer products created a major stir in the art world, bringing both Warhol and pop art into the national spotlight for the first time. Question. Yes. How big is that um, picture, the four canvases together because in my mind i've always pictured them gigantic because i've only ever really seen replicas yeah i don't think that they're huge i know the marilyn monroe one is probably a little bigger than like that poster okay frame. So, so that's what i'm picturing for the campbell's one it's probably similar yeah okay um but yeah i know the marilyn monroe because i saw it when it was in the museum of modern art is a little bit wider than like that poster okay so for reference people no uh, standard poster sizing it's yeah. just a poster <laughs> it's just a harry potter poster and it was a little bit wider and yeah newt is on it imagine that one <laughs> that one of newt that one solitary poster <laughs> of newt's command that we have and no one else has a uh, famous british artist richard hamilton described pop art as popular transient expendable low-cost mass-produced young witty sexy gimmicky glamour and big business so he was like a minimalist when it came to words. Yes. Okay. Yes. Cool. Yeah. That didn't talk much. You no. know, most artists in the 60s. Yes. Just real kept to themselves. I mean, for someone who is very choosy with their words, he was spot on. Yeah. I mean, he's not wrong. All of that applies. To oh, my Popper. God. His head. If, if, if I don't know his history, but if he was alive at the time the hashtag was created, he probably exploded. Andy Warhol. No, the guy who was a minimalist with words. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> hashtag popular. Hashtag no, transient. Hashtag expendable. No, Andy Warhol probably. Nah, he'd be too good for Instagram. What are we talking about? He would have. Uh, uh, he might have been on Instagram. I don't know. Or Grinder. <laughs> <laughs> Those are two different anyway. Yeah. As Warhol put it, once you quote unquote got pop, you can never see a sign the same way. And once you thought pop, you can never see America the same way again. That's fair. Deep. Right? Those were my uh, beatnik snaps. Warhol's other famous pop paintings depicted Coca-Cola bottles, vacuum cleaners, and hamburgers. And Marilyn Monroe. We covered that one. Warhol was infatuated with Hollywood celebrities and fame since childhood. He wrote to movie stars for headshots for fan photos, assembling scrapbooks between 1938 and 1941. His love of Hollywood was demonstrated in his series of iconic images of celebrity portraits that were painted in vivid and garish colors. His most famous subjects included 
Marilyn Monroe, Monroe, Elizabeth Taylor, Mick Jagger, and Mao Zedong. Um, oh, wait, what? Say it again. <laughs> Mao Zedong. Um, what? I take the Instagram co- uh, comment back. I feel like he would have been on Tumblr a lot. He probably was too cool for me. So yeah, he probably would have tumbled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, what's this massive donk? <laughs> Mao Zedong was a Chinese government person. He founded the People's Republic of China. Okay, cool. Communist, got it. But he painted him and made lots of money. As these portraits gained fame and notoriety, Warham began... Warham. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Words are hard. Can you tell that I researched and talked about him too much today? And now it's just like, that guy... You know, only his closest friends call him Moreham. <laughs> Moreham. Good old Mandrew Moreham. Warhol began to receive hundreds of commissions for portraits from socialites and celebrities. His portrait, Eight Elvises, reportedly resold for $100 million in 2008, making it one of the most valuable paintings in the world history. Jeez. I would be curious what the Maryland one would go for. Yeah. He also expanded his medium into installations, most notably at the Stable Gallery in New York. He replicated Brillo boxes in their actual size, then screen printed their label designs onto blocks made of plywood. And that's where I just don't get art sometimes. Okay. (laughs) He literally recreated like packages of Brillo boxes and displayed them like in a grocery store, but in an art display. Well... From my limited knowledge of art, um, sometimes study you study the real thing to understand it better so that you can make the abstract thing. So a lot of times in like art schools or you see Galileo's study of I believe I think it was Galileo that studied peasants' hands, but they Galileo, would, Galileo, Galileo Figaro, Figaro. <laughs> Magnifico. Anyway, we you, sing that you, stu- too. you study the real thing to understand the abstract better. I understand that, but I and I'm sure it was something to do with his stance on celebrity and commercialism. But I just, like I said, and art. Some things are not for everyone. Art is subjective, but that's just one I don't get. But the Maryland one, I'm all about that. There we go. In 1964, Warhol opened his own art studio, a large silver painted warehouse known simply as The Factory. Ooh. Ah. Original. (laughs) (laughs) The Factory quickly became one of New York City's premier cultural hotspots, a scene of garish parties attended by the city's wealthiest socialites and celebrities, including notable artists, musicians, and writers such as Lou Reed, Bob Dylan, Truman Capote, and many, many more. So like the hipster version of Studio 54. Yeah, pretty much. But they could do a lot more at the factory than they could at discos. Really? Because it was like a privately owned thing. It wasn't actually a club. It was his studio. Are we going to learn more about what was done at the studio? I mean, I don't go into a whole lot of detail, but Lou Reed paid tribute to the hustlers and transvestites he had met at the factory with his hit song, Walk on the Wild Side. Mm. Oh. Ah, oh. So <laughs> that should explain to you a little bit about so many things just clicked in my yeah. head. I'm like, that song makes so much more sense. <laughs> right? I've listened to it like seven times since I learned that fact. Um, Warhol was actually the Warhol and a friend of theirs managed their band, The Velvet Underground. What? <laughs> 
We found. Sorry, why? I, I'm awful. Tiffany stripper name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Today I am Tiffany. I'm inappropriate. <laughs> I love it. What did we say your drag name was? Steve Twerkle. Steve Twerkle. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a great story. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm broken. You are me. <laughs> the Velvet Underground. <laughs> <laughs> oh that was good <laughs> sorry you broke ashley oh that was funny <laughs> it's been a day i worked a very long day so my brain apparently turns into tiffany <laughs> it's a beautiful beautiful thing oh god well now that i have the giggles and before we dive too far into what happened after the factory opened should we take a quick drink break sorry. i am so down <laughs> So she can die of laughter. I got the giggles. I'm sorry. Rebecca, can you make something up for us? Absolutely. (laughs) Do you like to mix creepy with your history? Hi, I'm Diane, host of the History Ghost Bump podcast, a podcast that is basically a ghost tour for the theater of the mind, featuring the history and hauntings of places that are infamous and many places you probably have never heard of before. Are these places truly haunted? I leave that up to you to decide. Join me if you dare. Check out historyghostbump.com. We're back. Back to life. Andrew Warhalla. Back to reality. And the factory? Did we leave off at the factory? Yes. He has just opened the factory and established Tiffany's stripper name. Mm -hmm. So he clearly relished in his new celebrity and became a fixture at infamous New York City nightclubs like Studio 54 and Max's, Max's Kansas City. I guess that's a lesser known disco disco. Never Hmm. heard of it. (laughs) He was noted as commenting on celebrity fixation, his own and that of the public at large, stating more than anything, people just want to be stars. So he would have loved the Kardashians. Uh, Okay, rephrase that. that He would have had a lot of comments on the Kardashians. Yes. Okay. I can't say. Not him. So far, I've just pictured him as like this super fanboy that would have enjoyed the kardashians that kind of lifestyle that's just what i've pictured so far from what we've learned i got more from him that like that's what he wanted for himself yeah so like he looked up to all of the celebrities of the time Uh uh-huh but no offense to anybody who likes the kardashians not gonna say i haven't sat down to watch an episode or two or an instagram story or two but like celebrities back in the 50s or 60s had a little more um reputation worth upholding most. Well, that also had a lot to do with the culture of the time, but we can get, discuss that <laughs> later. Stay tuned. Um, in 1968, however, his thriving career almost abruptly ended. Why? No. He was severely injured when he was shot by Valerie Solanas. Who is that bitch? <laughs> she was an aspiring writer and radical feminist. On June 3rd, 1968. 
She had appeared in one of Warhol's films and was reportedly upset with him because he refused to use the script that she had written for an additional film. She was arrested and later pled guilty to the crime. He spent several weeks uh, in a hospital recovering from his injuries and had to undergo multiple surgeries. And as a result of the injuries he sustained, he had to wear a surgical corset for the rest of his life. What's oh, his, my God. What's a surgical corset? I guess just to keep everything in place. That Jeez. is awful. Oh, could you imagine how ugh, gross it would be to like clean that out and how like. Uh, just... I mean, he didn't have like open wounds, but it's like when after you have a C-section, you sometimes have to wear. Oh, like the little like girdle the little, thing. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. you're healed. You just have to have a little extra support. And Make, it might have been sense. for his back, too. Well, yeah. Oh, that's that's sad. But it didn't slow him down, though. Oh, good. Because <laughs> Warhol became increasingly involved in the publishing and publishing in the late 1960s, becoming fully immersed in the 1970s. In 1969, he co-founded Interview, a magazine devoted to film, fashion, and popular culture that gave him access to the stars he loved so dearly. He published his first mass-produced book, Andy Warhol's Index, in 1967, and The Philosophy of Andy Warhol from A to B and Back Again was published in 1975. That's a fun name. Hmm. <laughs> from A to B and Back Again. I like that a lot. Warhol and Craig Braun designed the cover for the Rolling Stones album Sticky Fingers in 1971. The design was nominated for a Grammy Award. Wait, just the design? The cover art was designed. That's cool. You I can, didn't know that was You can do that? I think it's one of those like lesser known Grammys where it's like you have the big ones and then like during the quickly commercial before break. they go to commercial, they have the people standing backstage like, hi, mom. Like the um, like the disclaimers during the drug commercials where they're just like running off really. Pretty much. And this Grammy went to this and this Grammy went to that and this person had the best car. And you might have bleeding. Well. <laughs> He remained in the spotlight in the 1980s with his television work and high fashion modeling. He achieved stardom and helped others to do the same, realizing with his expression, in the future, everyone will be world famous for 15 minutes. Uh, he's the one who coined that He coined phrase? 15 minutes of fame. Wow. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Forget the soup cans. That's what I know for. <laughs> Except for you didn't know that that was what he That's did. fine. Um, during this period of his life, he used a Polaroid camera and tape recorder to document his daily life. Everything from business meetings to star-studded social occasions. He would have loved reality TV. Right? Oh, my God. <laughs> he also used Polaroid photographs as source material for some of his iconic celebrity portraits and still lifes. A major 1972 exhibition that signaled Warhol's renewed focus on painting featured a series of works depicting Chairman Meow. Mal? Meow. Mal. Meow. Meow. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, where happened? I lost my spot. Chairman Meow. Meow. Chairman Meow. 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 so angry at me. I have two cats. You should be used to hearing Meow. Because he's not related to cats. <laughs> he was not covered in cat packs with Rebecca. <laughs> In the mid-1980s, however, Warhol made a return to painting and produced works that frequently verged on abstraction. His oxidation painting series, oh. which were made by urinating on a canvas of copper paint. No what? longer on the train for that one. <laughs> 
they were meant to mimic the rawness of Jackson Pollock's drip paintings. I, okay. Mm, Did they, okay. <laughs> Throughout his career, he frequently collaborated with artists. And in 1984, he worked with young and upcoming artists, Jean-Michael Basquat and Francisco Clemente working on a special project where each artist worked independently on the canvas before passing it along. The artist's individual marks remained distinct and recognizable signs and logos would become part of the compositions. So they would basically do pop art, but they have three different artists. Oh, that's cool. Working on it. Um, in the final years of his life, he turned to religious subjects. His version of the Leonardo da Vinci's Last Supper is particularly renowned. If we can, we'll post it on the blog. If not, just Google it. I can't wait to see that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In these works, Warhol melded the sacred and irreverent by adding enlarged logos of brands against the images of Christ and his apostles. Oh. Oh. Making a statement. Yeah. Mm. So, as it became more popular, Warhol took an interest in television and produced two cable shows. Andy Warhol's TV from 1980 to 83 and Andy Warhol's 15 Minutes from 85 to 87 for MTV. Ooh. Ooh. He also made television appearances on The Love Boat and Saturday Night Live and appeared in both print and television commercials, produced music videos, and modeled in multiple high fashion fashion shows. Go him. I want to know what music videos he directed. He directed. I think he was in. He appeared in. Oh, sorry. I thought for some reason. Produced. Produced. Music videos. Okay. So he just funded the money for it. Probably for some of the bands that he was involved in. Fair. Like the Velvet Underground. (laughs) (laughs) No, I've never met him. (laughs) Never met the Velvet Underground? Andy Warhol. (laughs) (laughs) Very familiar with the Velvet Underground. I broke Ashley again, and I didn't even say, say anything. Oh, goodness. All right. In 1984, War- Warhol was commi- commissioned by Alexander Ayalas, who also gave Andy his first solo show in 1952 to create a series of paintings to be installed opposite the convent where Leonardo da Vinci's Last Supper was housed. Wow. Ooh, the statement. commission resulted in one of Warhol's largest bodies of work and compromised of about 100 works featuring The Last Supper. Wow. Hmm. Hmm. Nine months before his death, Warhol created a series of iconic monumental self-portraits featuring his gaunt face, fixed gaze, spiky wig, and some of the canvases measured nine square feet. Holy cannolis. So he had a big personality. I'd And say. captured it on canvas. That's hmm. fascinating. <laughs> In his later life, Warhol suffered from chronic issues with his gallbladder, and on February 20th, he was admitted to New York Hospital, where his gallbladder was successfully removed, and he seemed to be recovering. Hmm. However, two days later, he suffered complications that resulted in sudden cardiac arrest, and he died on February oh, no. 22nd, 1987, at the age of 58. Wow. Oh. And there's still some debate that follows around him after his death, but I don't really like to talk about that because he seemed like an all-around good guy, and a lot of it has to do with his sexuality and like yeah, the live. subjects he chose to cover, but I don't want to go into that because... Live and let live. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, I will leave and say... That in his will, he dictated that everything from his estate funds the Warhol Foundation for the Advancement of the Visual Arts, which was subsequently created later that year, 1987. 
That's really awesome. Um, Through the joint efforts of the Andy Warhol Foundation for the Visual Arts, Carnegie Museums of Pittsburgh, Carnegie Institute, and the Dia Center of the Arts, the Warhol Museum was opened in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in 1994 and houses the largest collection of Andy Warhol work. Damn it, I was just in Pittsburgh. And you could have gone to the Andy Warhol Museum. And I'm pretty sure the house that he grew up in is set up as a museum, too. Instead, Mm -hmm. you looked at trains. That is true. <laughs> and drove a big truck. That is also true. <laughs> but next time we're going to buy drive a big words. That's fascinating, though. I didn't realize there was so much history. Well, obviously, there's history to them, but I didn't realize how relevant he was and how much he inspired the pop culture that we have today. Mm-hmm. He was one of the first artists that brought it out because it was big in Europe when he started yeah making it his own it started in britain i believe but he was one of the first american artists to bring it over here that's really cool that's awesome and i like him a lot i want to see some of his artwork we need for a, sure we need to get I've got a some print saved. for the studio now yeah oh yeah i'm down Ooh, i wonder if we could find like somebody to do a andy warhol style print of our logo oh hey world <laughs> <laughs> Artist friends out there, are you listening? Artist, yeah. can you? So that was me? Andrew Warhala. That is really cool. Good job. I like Thanks. it. I like that a lot. Like too. some of it made sense because, again, my knowledge of the late fifties, early sixties starts and ends with Mad Men, and I remember him being briefly mentioned. But a lot of what you talked about made sense for the time and, period. Yeah, for the time period, and not only that, but like what he was, it seemed very present. And it inspired a lot of what we see today because I don't know, I guess it's a lot of what we see today was a lot of what was present then. It's just different because of the outlets we have to express it. Right. It's I could imagine like we kind of talked about during the episode, the field day that he would have with Instagram and reality TV. He would be all about reality TV. He'd be like the Hugh Hefner of reality TV. What was that show? What was the Hugh, the Playboy? Hmm. I don't remember. We'll think of it later. <laughs> and by we, I mean, Ashley will text us at 1 a.m. when she remembers. Like, ha I remember the bunny show. But yeah, so that was Andrew. Wahala. There was a movie that I saw that him, um, they talked about him in a movie. And that's all I could think about the entire time. I'm trying to Google it real quick. And it's... You don't watch American Horror Story, do you? No. Okay. I wanted to, but ironically, I don't do blood and guts on the TV. So... Yeah, I know. I can, No, I just... I was trying to remember if how gory it was, but I'm not a good person to ask because it doesn't bother me, so it doesn't stand out too much to me. Yeah, like, I specifically went to, like... It's not the clip, like the show notes. It was like the um, synopsis where it actually dives into the storyline a little bit, mm-hmm. and I was like, eh, no. <laughs> I can't remember what it was. For some reason, I was thinking Zoolander. <laughs> I know. I know. It's. I mean, um, the Will bad Ferro's guy from Zoolander goes kind of. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. I feel like if you took Zoolander with a better sense of self-awareness, you might get close to Andy Warhol. No, Will Ferrell's character, I could see resembling a little bit of Andy Warhol-ness. Yeah, Campbell's soup is so hot right it's now. It's so hot right now. <laughs> that that may be why I'm thinking of the entire time you were talking, I kept waiting for it to take a turn because it was like, he's got to have some bad stuff to him because all I can think about is Zoolander. So we have to do our outro, our, our outrolls and our best Blue Steel impression. 
would somehow translate to audio. I don't know. What, would, what is this a podcast for? Eh, podcast. <laughs> wow. What is this a podcast? What is this for a ants? podcast for ants? How are they supposed to learn how to read good if they can't even see the words you're saying? <laughs> so, so remember. <laughs> remember, friends. Everyone has something that they find odd. Let us tell you why it's not. If you have any questionable topics you'd like us to discuss, you can share them with us on any of our social medias. Links can be found on our website, theladiesofstrange.com, or you can email them to us at theladiesofstrange at gmail.com. And if you feel like leaving us an iTunes review, you're awesome. Please do. And we love you. Don't forget to subscribe. Rate. <laughs> That's my part. And review. And review. And if you think we're doing a great job and want to find us on Patreon, Nope. Nope. You threw me off. If you think we're doing a great job and want to support the show, you can now find us on Patreon. But yes, please. iTunes reviews are very, very much appreciated mm-hmm. and help us, you know, get out there to others. So on that note, keep it strange, lovelies. I will Bye-bye. punch you. <laughs> mm.